0: And good morning. Welcome to the old school. We're alive. It's been a month. I know some of you were placing your bets. Uh, You probably saw a picture of me walking across a crosswalk without shoes on. I just assumed I was dead. (laughs) But no, we're here uh, to talk about the American education system, all of its uh, its traits, its qualities, its quirks, its uh, foibles, as Dr. Bourgeois is prone to say. Um, and possible solutions, and so far as we know, the solutions. Good morning, here, Doctor Bourgeois. Oh,
1: Mr. Miller. That was a snappy introduction. And,
0: <laughs> I've been uh, saving it up for the last month. <laughs> I think that
1: you've been resting for the last month, and you're you're full of energy. And I'm I'm a little step behind you in my energy level, but uh, it's good good to be back. And
0: we're uh, about to change that. We're about to change what? We're about to change your level of energy, your vim and vigor, as they oh, say. Oh, I, I, I do need to work on that. I, I project doom and gloom occasionally. I've been want to do that. Well, I don't want you. To, I don't want you thinking about doom and gloom right now, because okay. in less than well, roughly twenty-four hours from now, we will be on a plane, you and I, headed for Europe, in particular Germany, Frankfurt, to be precise. And I need you to be thinking positive, okay? Positive about going to Germany. We've been there a few times. We have been there a few times, but I'm just saying, I mean, it's, no one likes someone getting onto a plane thinking of doom and gloom. It's just keep it light, keep it airy, keep it breezy, keep it positive. Do uh, you have your passport?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have that. I kind of came right under the wire. That was a little dicey because I my passport ran out and I... Uh, we were going to travel before COVID and it didn't happen and I forgot everything. So it was one of those moments, you know, five weeks, five to seven weeks, but but they over-delivered. So I do have a passport.
0: A rare moment of oversight or a lack of oversight on your part led you to be in arrears in regards to your passport. I think so, but um, that's
1: the only time that'll ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: had this whole next two weeks planned out. We Are we good?
1: No, I'm, I'm actually getting um, clothing today. So I'm doing some clothing shopping and uh, buying. Lederhosen? Not in Lederhosen. That would be silly. And I'm buying <laughs> gifts, uh, which <laughs> 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 I, I said. I've, my, already
0: gotten one, I've already gotten one request and get this. So I tell the guy I'm going to Germany. His one request is that I stop off at the duty free shop on the way back and pick up Cuban rum. For somebody here? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, but I'm going to Germany. We are going to Germany, and so you're going to honor that request. I might, if for no other reason but for me to pick up a bottle of it to try it out, and so okay. um,
1: gotta yeah. try it, right? Yeah, might as well. Um, it, it'll be a, a a great trip, and I, I I think we've planned to to do our podcast remote. You know, maybe one or two episodes, and see see how we can.
0: Um, translate as it were let's just hope that the situation in these various rooms that we're going to be staying in is kosher <laughs> i'm just saying Can okay, kosher in germany what do you mean exactly i'm talking well you know because when you ask for a room with two beds they'll give you two beds but they tend to be smushed together oh and so i went through great pain to make sure there's no smushing together of beds mm. not that there's anything wrong with that but I'm just saying, I like my own space. I think well, you like your own space.
1: Um, I do. So you're, you, you know, Herr Miller has um, arranged, you know, all of our accommodations,
0: and, um, and and so he'll be to blame, won't you? <laughs> I will be to blame. I'll sleep on the couch if there's ever a moment when <laughs> we're ah. confronted with two beds smushed together. Okay. I'll take the couch. Well, I have, have it on record and publicly, <laughs> now, so I can I can call on the tapes of this. I have the younger back. I have the more screwed up back, but I have the younger back of the two of us. So perhaps I can, I, I, no I, pun intended. I, can I, I, I disagree with that.
1: Uh, I've been to a, um, whatever you call those bone type doctors where they give you x-rays and uh, they said I had the <laughs> back of a 25 year old. What do you know? Uh, Those are his words. that's true.
0: You're starting to sound a little (laughs) bit like our former president, you know. (laughs) I've got the best back in the entire world. Those are actually his
1: words.
0: (laughs) Doctor said it's the best back he's ever
1: seen. Um, So so what are we talking about today beyond our travels? Because um, I, I think that. We should connect what we're doing to education next next week when when we talk. But maybe we have something to tee it off now that's a little bit different.
0: Well, I think first of all, just simply getting back on the radar for those who may be slowly dropping off the old school train wow. <laughs> because there hasn't been an episode lately. Uh-uh. But uh, but simply to maybe tie in the idea of travel from an educational point of view.
1: Okay. And- so you want to talk about that now and why why it's Beneficial
0: yeah. to And it's possible that while we're in Germany, we may have cause to talk a little bit about the German system, a little bit about uh, the systems uh, in which we are surrounded uh, when we're there. But um, given that you and I have a combined amount of, say, 40 some odd years leading students to various locales. You primarily Germany, although you have taken a couple of swims through Hungary, have you not? Um, been to Hungary and Austria and Germany, and Germany and other places I won't share with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and I've been to Germany and Japan, and so I think is there a reason th- why you picked those those two countries specifically? Germany and Japan. You think I should have gone ahead and gone to Italy, completed well, the uh, Axis powers World War II. Well, you could have picked any
1: other ones, but I, I bet the J- Japan came out of convenience
0: and the Germany out of interest. Is that the way it worked? Well, both, you know, in 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 in, in some ways, both of them fall under both categories. You know, a nearby city uh has as a sister city, a city both in Germany and one in Japan. And so therefore I had cause to and uh, Chance to take students to both places. And so I missed out on there is an Italian sister city that we have in this area. And there's also a Mexican sister city, which I'd have been particularly keen to go to. But alas, you know, it was Germany and Japan. And, um, you know, I think, you know, both of us have made this a part of our calling to use a overused religious quasi religious terminology, Wrong. um, with regards to what we see as our purpose. So for you, can you talk about a little bit about how you got involved and how you saw your efforts in a kind of an educational paradigm, or maybe you didn't, I don't know. Well, uh, it, it, it's funny, but when we,
1: you and I had our first conversation um, when we were working at a, at a school together, this is the first conversation we had
0: mm-hmm.
1: about this very topic and our experiences. Um, I, I really never had interest in, in taking students to to Europe, to, to, to Germany. It wasn't like something I'd planned about for years, but I happened to apply for a German position in Texas when I was living in Oregon. And I um, so I, w- I was recruited in a way to to take over a program that started in 1960. And, and so not knowing much um, about it, uh, I was fortunate to have the founder of the program there. Uh, he's the teacher I replaced, and he really mentored me for um, five or six years, really. I mean, he's still mentoring me in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he, he put a little context into uh, to something that started in 1960, um, and you can just, what I, what I didn't realize is, is that these trips are about students, but are also about families because we, we do homestays. Um, so it's a kind of this mosaic of uh, people who have traveled or hosted. And, and so we did both sides. We hosted Germans, which is interesting in itself, and then traveled, but it was never about the the excursions, or even you know, getting on a bus and traveling, because we've done some of that, and, and quite frankly, that's not that fun as a chaperone because you're <laughs> really more worried about the kids. You're stressed. You're stressed. I mean, even at night time, you're. I mean, I've, I don't know if you've done this, but you're, you're just walking around in hallways, you know, patrolling, which is just <laughs> stupid. So I didn't like that part, but but uh, the homestay was great because we would go to school in the morning, uh, and then in the afternoon we would. Leave the school and leave the the kids, and they'd be taken care of. Have a few events, but I. Um, so I, I think that the the students have a unique experience when when they're in a home. I think, and that that would be my strongest uh, recommendation, rather than touring, where you're literally a tour, tourist, just happens to be a group of students. Um, this, there's there's no comparison.
0: I think about. Um... You know, for me, it's, it's one of those things where, and you've seen it and I've seen it both within the exchange that we did together, but then also in our efforts with other folks. And that is the idea of how students change as a result of going over someplace and to a certain extent being on their own. To what degree have you seen that and in what ways have you seen that from a educational, from a development point of view?
1: Well, for a lot of students, and I've kept in touch with them by various social media, you know, that, that's still. I'm sorry, um, what did you just say, sir? So? Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm tech forward here, Miller. Um, <laughs> so the, the students, uh, you know, look back on that, and, and it's one of their more vivid memories. And it, it, and it does something when you go through that because it's by definition uncomfortable. go to an airport you know in you know with a time change and be exhausted and then get on a train and go to some school be welcomed but you know and and for the students their german was just they're just getting started Mm -hmm. really so they they have all this culture shock and they go home they meet a a student their age shake hands awkwardly and sit in the back seat of a car and drive and, and and suddenly they they're confronted with you know a lot of challenges to assert themselves in a new new context and i think just that builds confidence and you see it during the trip you know that the the confidence builds to the point where they don't need us uh, and, and and they become seasoned travelers and um you know i i think you can't get that without getting out of your comfort zone so that to me is the 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 crucial part and also seeing what it's like in somebody else's shoes
0: think about your mentor and the fact that you know he was a he was a gentleman that came out of world war ii he had fought in world war ii and he one of the things i think that motivated him was the idea that between german adolescence and american adolescence all the perceived differences were really kind of tangential differences that at its core, the two were the same. And to be able to see that and to see that one, because there is a great deal of similarities, there's no reason to kind of fear or to blow out a proportion of the differences. And that in the process you get to learn, as you say, you get to learn a lot more as a result of it. Uh, I use often the quote uh, from Kipling, what do they know of England who only England knows? You know, you could say that you know American history, for example, but if you don't know American history from someone else's perspective, I would suggest that you have a very skewed notion of American history, you know, and Rick Steves talk about the fact that, you know, the greatest thing you get from travel is a broader perspective, a different perspective. And I think for me, to the kids who are open to it, unfortunately, just like with any trip, you're going to have a knucklehead here and there who just sees it as a way of being away from his parents and to try to act the fool. But on the whole, we have some great kiddos that we've taken over to Germany or Japan or what have you. And if they're open to it, you know they realize that there's a lot more here to understand, that, that we are getting... When you're brought up within a particular system, you're getting one side of the story, no matter how noble the efforts of a history teacher um, are to include different points of view, to include different documentations or perspectives, it's hard to really see it until you're there and you see it from someone else's viewpoints. And so I think in that sense, that's probably one of the biggest benefits to the student through travel?
1: Well, um, for a chaperone, I guess, we're or the leader of a program, whatever, from that perspective, it, um, we have a, a experience ourselves, you know, and we're, we're also with a host family. And I've been with, you know, dozens of them, mm. um, in diff- different, different cities, and, and so forth. And that um, you go through the same thing, you know, you and you, you get to know them. And, and it it's stunning just how quickly you get to know people and, and and I think Germans might be unique, but probably not. you know we've we've met people in the former East Germany mm-hmm. um, who are the most gracious hosts I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and y- y- you just connect relatively quickly because of, of the, the Germans call it Gastfreundschaft mm-hmm. hospitality. And um, so, so you, you learn about that. And then, lo and behold, when the Germans come here, uh, to the United States, they experience Gastfreundschaft as well.
0: And, you know, many cultures consider that one of the most basic traits of humanity is how we treat other people. You know, and unfortunately, I think a lot of times people are keen to see how we treat other people in kind of a political sense. But I think that when you strip that away, I think you tend to find that most people are eager to find out more about other folks. And I think Americans are particularly curious. And despite what some people say about Americans in relation to other cultures, I think on the whole, Americans tend to be some of the most curious people with regards to someone that they think might be from someplace else. Now, granted, sometimes that can be based upon stereotypes or other things of that nature. However, I think the curiosity is genuine. The the methodology might be a bit questionable or not necessarily dignified, but I think the curiosity is what's most important. And I've talked to folks that are living in this country, not from this country, and. Very seldom do you get a kind of a, uh, you know, from them, the idea that somehow people are hostile to them because they're from someplace else. There's that curiosity there. And I think Americans are, um, uh, use that. And that's what drives students to our programs. And that's one of the reasons why it, they get so much out of it. At least we've seen them get so much out of it. Four years ago, you said that the the exchange that you and I were a part of and that I am a part of still started in 1960. So four years ago, five years ago, 2019, I was in Germany. We were in the latest rotation of going to Germany and we met, I think it was 2019, we met two ladies uh, who were exchange partners from the original 1960 exchange they were partners, meaning they're partners, yes, yes. And they still on a five-year basis, one goes to US or one goes to Germany, and they still get together. And it's one of those things that I think is, you know, probably perhaps the most you know representative of the effect of the trip or the effect of these kind of trips. Now to what degree have you used a trip in a classroom as far as trying to achieve an end uh, in the classroom? Or to what extent have you seen students become better in the classroom because of having an international experience, either with an exchange trip or with their family?
1: I think it's really motivational as a recruiting tool. I was really successful building german programs and i was at you know several schools over the years but i you know after the first or second year the enrollment just increased and i mean i was able to double enrollment in a year and i think the exchange program has a lot to do with that um when you teach a foreign language there's a requirement often of of two years hmm. elementary <clears throat> german for example first year second year And then you drop off after that third year, you lose students um, and then more so for fourth year. So your classes get smaller and smaller, but there's something about being involved in a a program that's ongoing. So these students have four chances, you know, two to host and two to travel. Mm -hmm. I think that alone, um, and, and then, you know, for everybody, even if you don't host, you know, we bring 20, 25 students from Germany. They spend a lot of time with the the students who aren't even part of the program. So they get to know them. They hang out with them. They become friends. So the friendships are not just the people in the program. Um, so you 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 build you bring a lot of prominence to the German program by doing that. You you have to find other teachers uh, to take their their students in. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, in fact, that's how I met my wife. And we were teaching at the same school, and I needed a a place for some students, you know? And so, so I was able to get to know faculty members um, because of that and and all the logistics. But I I think that the the students catch the meaning when they see that group of Germans there. So it's, it's kind of this perfect recruiting tool. And, And then maybe they want to get into German. Maybe they want to be part of that program.
0: It is strange because I never knew the direct connection between the exchange and your wife And how you met your wife, because as you know, I met my wife through the same sister cities program with which, you know, I traveled to Germany twice and to Japan twice. And so a little bit of synchronicity, shall we say? I think so. So we really are doing all this
1: uh, just, just, just to meet girls.
0: girls. (laughs) 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 It's a terrible. And it worked. And it worked. It worked splendidly. Because Lord knows you married up, and so did I. Oh, I know that. And so yeah. perhaps we were the real winners. There, well, there it is. And, and these exchange
1: programs literally brought us together. We probably would have you know, not even liked each other and been like enemies for years, but we connected on <laughs> because of the beauty of German exchange. Here we are.
0: <laughs> what do you think is the, the future of these kinds of exchanges? Do you see them becoming more popular, less so? I mean, uh, especially as people are able or have the means to travel um, more on their own, as their own family, do you think that that's something that is going to benefit, is it gonna have the effect of encouraging people to sign up for exchanges or is it gonna lead kids to go, well, we've already been there or I, you know, we're planning on doing that with my family, so I don't need to do that with the exchange.
1: I think starting new programs is difficult um, to get the buy-in from your administration particularly. And many districts err on the side of caution because it's a, an incredible risk mm. to send students abroad or to host, I mean, and so the legal team looks at that and thinks, you know, risk reward. Um, and, and often they they will err on the side of caution, meaning they'll allow the exchange program, but they won't bless it officially um so so when you travel and i've done this uh it's not a school function um whereas it's just you know a contract between you and the parents um the school agrees to host but they're not uh, it's not a sanctioned trip and i think that's a way around it but I, you know I, as far as parents you know for me it was always difficult to recruit hosts mm-hmm. um, and often the in, the Germans did not have that problem. They had a long list of people, and they kept trying to make deals with us and say, "Can can we send two more? You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is the daughter of the headmaster or something, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and just two more. I mean, how could you deny us? So then we, not knowing, you scramble On our side that we're we were already scrambling to get the fifteen or sixteen. Right, you know? and so <laughs> we have to do a lot of things to re- recruit and and honestly we recruited outside i mean you're not you're not teaching german you're teaching history yes as a german teacher my my first pool of students were, were my own you right know, a lot of reasons but then you know i would go outside of people in germany which is uh, german classes um, so it was always hard, you know, to, to get enough families and, and even to get enough students to go that, that list changed, um, throughout, but it was, but it was much harder for us than in Germany where they, they have a, a waiting list. They actually turn people away. We never, I don't remember turning a lot of people away. Um, they, we did some applications, but most of the time we, we, we took students and hosts.
0: I think one of the, Talking about the idea about the degree to which it is difficult to get administrative support. Now, it does help that we are talking about Germany and not talking about don't know, some other place. I mean, you can imagine your you places about, that. No, no, no. no I'm leading somewhere with some, this. Some country, and you stopped yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'm leading into something because as we had talked about before on this podcast, I am looking for the ability to retire. And one of the things that I wanted to do before I retire is I wanted to take a student group to Uzbekistan. And it was going to be Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, and Turkmenistan. You just wanted the stand. Well, well, I mean, I don't, not all the stands, let's let's not get crazy. You know, some stands are not all stands are equal for instance, but, um, but you wanted to pick places that would frighten parents. Well that wasn't the that wasn't the uh, that wasn't the the uh, that wasn't the flow chart I had created for myself. that wasn't the title at the top of the paper. but what I wanted to do was I wanted to pick a place that was undervalued from a historical point of view, from a cultural point of view, certainly undervalued in regards to our history classes. Even the most inclusive history classes fail to bring in. The stands, even though you know historians are arguing now, they've probably been arguing for years, the importance from a kind of a cultural standpoint of the Central Asian uh, civilizations, and some suggesting that they should be a sixth river civilization that should be studied in conjunction with, you know, China, India, the Mesopotamia area, but Nile River, places like that. And so for me it was the kind it was a combination of a cultural kind of thing because because of where central asia is it was kind of a to use an over, overused metaphor it was a crossroads of cultures going back and forth to different places and central asia was the location of where a lot of translations took place of a lot of ideas ideas were transferred religions spread all throughout central asia and of course you have the silk road goes through there you have the the infrastructure that still remains in some cases of the silk road so there's a lot there however god bless my boss but when i first suggested the notion of taking kids <laughs> to central asia you would have thought i had kicked her puppy you know and i just you know the look on her face was one like please god you didn't just say what i thought you said and and it's not because of any attitude she had about the place. She's thinking about it from, well, she does what administrators do. She thinks about it from a question of liability, a question of risk, like you were saying earlier. And for them, any destination that ends in a stand or ends in you a know, place like that, you're going to get some askewed glances. Now, I had a group of kiddos who just as kind of a casual mention in class, I said, would you be interested in a trip like this? You know, I got kids who raised their hand and those kids who raised their hand. I said, how many of your parents be into this? And then like most of the hands dropped. And so, you know, there is that that you have to kind of overcome, but um, it is not a given, as you have said, that an exchange can easily take place. It's not all fun and games. It's not all, you know, Wiener schnitzels and, you know, (laughs) music. I mean, you, you gotta, you, you have to work to make this sort of thing happen. And because it is so transformative from an educational and a personal point of view, it makes it all the more befuddling that you can get pushback on this, even if you're not going to a place that might be considered questionable. But that there is pushback.
1: I'm sorry that that um, program didn't make um, yet. Yet, okay, so
0: not giving up the ghost just yet. Okay, I'm close though.
1: You could take um one or two students who are heroic and maybe hair dr bourgeois we've talked about this but um the you mentioned that it's not all fun and games um there are challenges you know as particularly from our perspective having to move families that's one because that happens when Mm -hmm. there's not a fit um you you get a lot of complaints um more more so more recently than in the early days, you know, right. where, where it was kind of like a marriage for life, um, but, <laughs> but you get asked by the, by the kid, you know, and, and then you have to make, make a real difficult decision, but you try to be transparent and talk to the, your counterparts. Right. Um, and, and and then we, we both, and, and together I've had to send, send students back home for drinking, carousing, whatever being sent to the
0: emergency room from, for, usually, yeah. as soon as the cops are called, that's yeah. usually the first sign that it's time for you to go home. Right, <laughs> um, but in, but in in most
1: cases, it doesn't go as smoothly as you think. You know, and I had some a real tough one. You know, s- you know, sending students back, but and um, you you start to question your decisions. You know, um, and and it's they're all well intended. You're thinking this is educating the, the child, giving them a hard lesson that they need, and they violated a contract. Right. Um, but then you think, is this, is this my my place? Um, should we just ride it out and get them back home and let their parents um, do their work? Um, so these, these are tough. I mean I still think about them and those are all difficult decisions and you know as I matured as a teacher, you know in, in some ways and at least in one case, I probably could have finessed it a little bit better mm. um, and, and that you know so you, you grow into that role. I think, you know, and you can anticipate problems. And usually that's the better work rather than having to deal with things.
0: Uh, Well, same thing, you know, that you said the two of us dealing with a kid who drank and and did all sorts of things Uh, on my own, well, not on my own with with my more current uh, compadre. um, We had to deal with questions of prejudice um, that almost sent a kid home um and so it's it's one of those things where it's part of that responsibility that you that you talked about earlier that you sign up for you know, mm-hmm. you know people look at it and say oh you get a free trip to germany i said yeah but i pay for it you know <laughs> i pay for it because of worry i pay for it because of having to make decisions and um yes i get a free trip you know and and there's something to be said for that but at the same time um we endure a lot and we take on a lot to make sure that those things go well. And when they go well, it seems like we're not really working at all. It's the best <laughs> experience ever. And then you get a, a call and you pick it up and and you hear, Steve,
1: we have a problem. <laughs> and then all of a sudden all your plans are gone. And yeah. so you pull out the list of all the students and think, okay, which one is it? <laughs> and Usually you'd you know which one before it starts. Um, I mean, we've taken students to Germany where our colleagues back home. I thought, "You're going to do what?" <laughs> you know, and and they laughed, literally yes. laughed at us. Um, and and so we so we're taking chances, but we're we're also betting on the on the kids to you know exceed, and most of the time they do and rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's right.
0: And we now only see them rise to the occasion from kind of an educational and enlightenment sort of thing but we also see as we kind of referred to earlier kind of a confidence level we've seen kids become leaders we've seen kids you know take charge when they see someone doing something wrong or when they or when they just they see that the group needs something you know we've seen kids step up and, and it's one of those things where perhaps prior to the kid would not have done that i don't know i mean but it is certainly a yet another advantage of the experiences that these kind, that this kind of exchange can engender. And it's part of the reason why I assume that we do it is because, you know, there certainly is a self-interested kind of quality to it, but there's also the notion of what we're giving, because I can sit here and teach history all day long within four cinder block walls, you know, Mm -hmm. and tell them about this, that, or the other. It's another thing to be there. It's another thing to walk those steps. It's another thing to see the effect of historical movement or historical um, events. Then it becomes a little bit more real to the kid who's open to it. And like I said, the kids who typically join these kinds of exchanges are ones that are the kind who might open themselves to those types of experiences. And I think that that's where at the end of the day, you sit there and you say to yourself, that was pretty cool. Absolutely. I think, I think it's one of the,
1: you know, one of the things I, I wish I was, I, I had been more present in, in because you, you often are worried uh, while you're traveling and it's a little bit stressful when you have, have students, but, um, you know, there, there were some, some great teaching moments. I mean, some of our best teaching happened there, even with our own group, because we met with our own students for an hour every day. And, um, you know, there, suddenly we're, answering questions about German culture that are real questions, not not the type of question you get in the classroom and they're telling and they're telling stories and and they're getting to know each other. And these are kids who probably you know come from very different groups in our own with our own students and they meld. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to to really teach. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a, in, in some ways it, I can I can't imagine having taught German you know, for 20 years and not done that type of a program.
0: It's seamless. Yeah. It's a natural extension of your curriculum is to send some kiddos in that direction. Um, but there are,
1: there are so many foreign language teachers. I mean, we're talking about German here, mm-hmm. but Spanish teachers, French teachers, whatever, um, that offer trips, you know, occasionally, but they're more tour based you know Mm. where they get to go to paris and rome and these places which is wonderful but it's all staying in hotels and and maybe if we can advocate for anything it's the the homestay model you know in in any language and and you know it 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 takes a different kind of a teacher i think to do that and Uh, a different kind of student to do that right but it's it's more economical i mean we're going to. Germany for three weeks and the, the price is relatively low. We get a nice yeah. group flight and then they're staying in families, which means that they don't have, you know, that many, very few expenses once they're there. I mean, basically they bring money for what they want to bring back. Hmm. Um, so it's economical and we've kind of made, made the case that there's a different type of learning involved. Um, and as a chaperone, you get a lot of breaks. Because you are away from your, your students. So that, that part is you're not being a tour guide
0: 24-7. And I think, you know, not, nothing against the five cities or five countries in, in one week sort of excursion. But it is hard to connect or to have the kind of deep learning experience when you're not there long enough to learn or certainly not to have any type of introspection about what you're doing. You know, and I think the idea that when you know, when you do the hotel jaunt and the hotel hop from one major city to the other, you're constantly surrounded, the kids are by the, themselves by each other. Mm-hmm. And so the reflection is not as deep because You know, there's still that dynamic of not wanting to come across, you know, in a certain way with your peers. But then when you get to go to a home now and you get to stay in one particular area, you have the time for the introspection because now you're sitting around a dinner table and you're sitting around a dinner table uh, from people that you do not know very well.
1: Who don't necessarily speak
0: English. I mean, we often assume that, oh, they know, English, but uh, that may not be the case. And so I think because of that, that's why our kind of trips are perhaps the ones more closely aligned to maybe the original purpose that these trips were designed to serve. You know, when the first teacher thought, wouldn't it be great if we took our kids to fill in the blank? You know, and I think, and I think our idea is perhaps closer to a truer, more altruistic kind of adventure. And what we want our kids to get out of it, you know, um, and it's good, you know, from the German point of view it's good because, unfortunately, in a history class, kids only get usually one introduction to Germany and it's not a good one. Right. And so, um, and and so once you're able, and it's, it's ridiculous, really, you know, to think that something that happened 70 years ago. And I'm speaking as a Jew. I mean, I don't, I know, you know, you, can, you see, I know there's a lot of people that that have a stake in making sure that that's not forgotten, and it should not be forgotten. But it should not be the only thing remembered. That there are other things that are a part of that culture. Lord knows we've got skeletons in our closet, so it doesn't doesn't uh, stand to reason that we should hold something against another group of people, especially people had nothing to do with it. And so to be able to get students to kind of step away from that image. And go towards a more modern image or to consider a more historical one prior to all that. Now, I think that that's also kind of an added benefit. Now, you talked about being present, being in the moment. This goes to a question that you and I have struggled with. Because as last year, I bought an iPhone. <laughs> you were being really serious there. And, and I am being serious because this is a serious business. Okay. I didn't want any part of the iPhone. I had a dumb phone. I was what quite it happy with A little, huh? little flip phone. Yeah, it was Where a little flip phone. It, yeah, I had a keyboard that I could text stuff in it. But other than that, it was just a phone. Then I go into, I go into a locale, a business who specializes supposedly in all sorts of phones. And I said, I want this. I want a newer version of this phone. Those teenagers behind the counter laughed at me. Yeah. They, why wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> you could literally find that in, a, in an antique store. Yeah. And I should, that's where I should have gone. I should have gone to an antique store, <laughs> but, um, but uh, <laughs> the uh, I ended up having, I felt forced into an iPhone now, you know, before when I had the dumb phone, my wife's insistence that I call on a regular basis or something or another was always mitigated by the fact that I'm, so, I'm sorry, honey, I just don't have the technology. You know, <laughs> now I have the technology. <laughs> now I have the technology. I feel that the pressure will be greater to do FaceTime with my wife and with my daughter. At a time when my focus should be on the world around me, the experiences around me, the joy around me. It's like when those kids graduate from high school and they come back the next August to say we're back. And I said, "I and I would always tell them, I, I can't miss you until you leave. And so there is something he said for simply saying, hey, listen, I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. I'll, here's my flight information. Please be meet me at the airport and we'll talk all about it. But now I'm afraid that I'm going to feel compelled to do this. You're a terrible. I need person. your I need your help. You're just a terrible person. I mean, <laughs> they want to keep track of you. They want to be
1: part of you. If if you were really <laughs> above board and and trying to think about other people's welfare, you you turn on the the notification, the the GPS tracker. So have ah. that. So so. So when I'm in Freiburg, or we we go to Switzerland or something, they'll get to see that little thing with your initial, and you're now up in the mountains. Here's Ross. Oh,
0: okay, that's that's fun. Where's Ross? The tracking device on my iPhone, yeah, was turned off about two <laughs> minutes after I received it. <laughs> you tried to you tried to block your wife from the the phone. I try to block my wife. That would be. That would be bad if I was trying to block my wife.
1: Well, you're not going to speak to your daughter for eleven days. I mean,
0: she's not going to miss me. She's going to be at her grandparents with pools and lakes and probably an abundance of snow cones and ice cream cones. She's not going to miss me one eye. I- she probably won't even know I'm gone. She, I'll probably show up and say, "Oh, I thought you were in the other room," you know, and that's that'll be my daughter.
1: Yeah, you, know, you know, for us, it was always about the what I brought back. It was always about the candy because I would, mm. I would always have a budget. I still do, of forty, <laughs> 40 euros, which brings okay. a, lot of, a lot of candy. And so I would fill fill the suitcase, and and so it's not about we missed you. It says, "Where's our candy?" Mm.
0: Well, we all have our our crosses we must bear, and so yeah. we'll see the we'll see how we do, and maybe we'll bring this up. Uh, uh, in a few days, when we record our first episode live from Germany or Switzerland or Liechtenstein, and
1: and and that I have to say for the record, you're picking that this one of the smallest countries. You can walk across it in about a half hour. Um, because you want that to add that a bit of
0: an exaggeration, well, half you, hour.
1: You, you do this with states too. You want to just add that to your countries, your list. And, and so I, I, I consider Liechtenstein, uh, adding to the list.
0: Um, we did, oh, we just happened to be here on our way to Switzerland. Let's, let's stop for a night. I cannot believe it. you're going to take my wife's side on this stuff. Oh. I don't collect states. You know what I collect, Steve? <laughs> I collect experiences. Oh I, ex- I collect moments in time that will not soon be forgotten you perhaps can boil down all your travel to simply another notch on the ledger. It's not, not me, my friend.
1: It. No, but... no. Um, because the rule is that you have to spend a night. Yes. Have a meal. And then, yes. then you can put it on the list. And that's about yes. what we're doing. That's a little suspicious.
0: It's on the way. <laughs> it doesn't now, have to be. There are lots of <laughs> it ways. It does have to be. It's on the way between Freiburg and where we're going in Switzerland. Lichtenstein is on the way.
1: I think the witness is, is breaking down now.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. It's enough of this crap. We'll talk. We'll pick this up later. <laughs> probably. From we Lichtenstein. I, we'll
1: probably start right with that topic.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So until. And. Uh, Till we meet again tomorrow at the airports.
1: Yeah, that's it. We'll say Alfredo Zayn Herr Miller. Auf Wiedersehen Herr Dr. Bourgeois.